Why should I go eat at your restaurant instead of the one down the street? Because you're better? Better in what way? And says who? Who's making that determination? And when did they decide that? And what criteria did they use to make their decision? I hope you're starting to see that there's a problem with better. In fact, it's a trap that a lot of marketers fall into, and I want to show you specific ways to avoid it. All on this week's episode of Restaurant Strategy. Stick around. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast dedicated entirely to the restaurant industry. Each week we discuss the tools, tactics, and strategies that will establish you as a leader in your market. That means doing more covers and driving more revenue. Each week we choose a topic, we pick it apart, we come up with some key insights and then finish up with an assignment. I always leave you with a short, actionable task, something you can do right away to start implementing some of the ideas we talk about here on the show. Because, as I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, this week, we're talking all about the better trap. No doubt you've heard this before on TV commercials, better than the leading brand. But it's a hollow argument. As I pointed out at the very top, it's too easy to punch holes in the argument. And yet, so many businesses out there insist on using better to measure themselves against the competition. But when it comes to marketing, we always want to operate on two axes. Now go with me on this, because this week's episode is directly related to the conversations we've been having on positioning. We just had to build one on top of the other so that we could be in a place to talk about this, to talk about the better trap. So think back to high school when you used to draw grids, right? You had a giant plus sign in the middle of the page, a horizontal line that was your x-axis that would intersect with a vertical line, which was your y-axis. Now, to illustrate the point as simply as possible, let's talk about one possible way we could use this exercise as marketers. Let's say we want to open a fast, casual burger restaurant, and we want to identify an opening in the market. So let's label the x-axis cost and the y-axis quality of ingredients. So we can slide up and down on both axes to see where there might be an opportunity. For example, we could place our new restaurant in the upper right quadrant, which would mean we use high quality ingredients and charge a lot of money for our products. Now this would probably be something like Bear Burger or, or a Shake Shack here in New York City. On the other end of the spectrum, we could say, uh, well, maybe we'll want to use low-quality ingredients and make the product very inexpensive. Now, this is probably McDonald's or Burger King. Now, we could go through the exercise and plot all of our competition somewhere on the grid and see if there's an opening. Pretty soon, I think you'd see that if you were to measure the market based on these two variables, it would be pretty difficult to find an opening. Instead, you'd find that you have to get more specific. For example, maybe you step back and you look at the bottom left quadrant, right? That's that's the low quality ingredients at a low cost. And there you'd probably find McDonald's and Burger King, like we mentioned, but also Wendy's and In-N-Out Burger and plenty of others out there. 
Look closely, though, at this group, and you'll start to see similarities. Think about the actual experience of these places, right? The dining experience is all pretty similar. So bright fluorescent lighting with cheap plastic tables and chairs and the same ordering process. You you go in, you go up to the counter, place your order, pay, and then wait for your food. You then take your food to a table. So what if we redrew the grid on the x-axis? Again, we would keep cost. But then what if you listed dining experience on the y-axis? And I think pretty soon you'd see a big shift. So still, you'd have McDonald's and Burger King and Wendy's in the bottom left quadrant because they're cheap, so they're far to the left on the x-axis, and then also pretty ugly inside, so low on the y-axis. Shake Shacks are often nicer inside, more comfortable, so they're probably still in the upper right quadrant, but there's nothing really in the upper left quadrant, meaning cheap burgers cost-wise for the customer, but with some of the nicer touches that you'd find in more expensive burger concepts. And this is where a great idea starts. This is how you find an opening in your market, an audience that's not being served. Of course, you have to do all the work then to figure out how you make a more comfortable restaurant at such a low price point. You got to figure out if you can build it to be profitable and, and whether your audience does in fact want that. But that's how you start. So what if you made a fast food restaurant that was actually cool inside, right? So clean, comfortable, stylish. If most of the other cheap burger concepts are bright, could you make yours dark? If the competition plays cheap music, could you pump old classic rock or or hip-hop or country? The grid exercise can be very helpful in figuring out an opening to exploit. And do you see then how better becomes a trap? Aside from the fact that better is a vague term. It also only gives you one axis to slide up and down on. So when I ask, why should I go eat at your restaurant? And your answer is because we're better than the other guys. You lose for several key reasons. First and foremost, better is subjective, right? I happen to think that Breaking Bad is a better show than Two and a Half Men, but plenty of people out there disagree with me. And that doesn't make me wrong. It doesn't make them wrong. They're, they're certainly entitled to their opinion, and, and I'm entitled to mine. So when you say restaurant X is better than restaurant Y, you're just asking for an argument. Also then, I start wondering, what makes restaurant X better? And then I consider the source. Well, who says they're better? And in what ways are they better? But sliding up and down on one axis doesn't give you any room to position your concept. It's just either better or worse than your competition. So if you've been following along for a while, I think you probably see where I'm going with this. Better doesn't work specifically because it's vague. And what marketers need is specificity. So let's say I'm opening up a bar called Midtown Tavern. And my biggest competitor is a place down the street called City Pub. Well, of course I believe my place is better, but I need to give specifics on how it's better, the ways in which it's better. I need to give give reasons that I believe my ideal customer is going to prefer my place, Midtown Tavern, to my competitor, City Pub. So maybe I want to highlight the fact that we have twice as many beers on tap, right? We have bigger variety. Uh, we have more TVs, so that, that's a better viewing experience. And we use dry-aged black Angus beef for all of our burgers. So we pride ourselves on quality ingredients. 
You got to deal in specifics. And again, this is nothing new. We've been talking about it from the very beginning. What's your product? Who's it for? Who are your competitors? And how can you differentiate yourself from those competitors? Because our place is better is not a good enough argument. Not, not these days when consumers have so many different choices out there. So get better out of your vocabulary and start thinking in terms of differences. Start thinking specifically. Find key ways that you can stand apart from your competitors. Now, back to that TV commercial. 10 times better than the leading brand. And that never made any sense to me. Because if it's 10 times better, why don't you have 10 times as many sales? Why are you still competing with an obviously substandard brand? The bottom line is, obviously, not everyone feels that it's 10 times better. There are obviously differing opinions. Now, remember a few weeks back, we were talking about chocolate bars and we were talking about a Hershey's bar, which you can get for about a dollar in the store. Compared that to a dandelion chocolate bar, which costs about eight bucks. But I said neither one was better than the other. They're just different because they're serving different markets, different audiences. So yes, the dandelion bar uses better quality ingredients and probably takes more care in the, in the chocolate making process, but that doesn't necessarily make it better because if you're an eight-year-old kid with $2 in your pocket, Hershey's is the best choice. Why? Because it's the one you can afford. Likewise, on the other side, if money is no object, then yeah, you can afford the super expensive chocolate bar made from hand-foraged Bolivian cacao beans. A kid may not be able to afford that, but he also probably won't be able to appreciate the nuances of the bar. But someone more educated, more well-traveled, perhaps will. So this again has everything to do with positioning, a topic we've covered these past several weeks, and I want to pull it all together to make sure you really understand how this can help you. So back on episode number 60, we defined positioning, right? And we basically said this, when introducing a new idea to a consumer, you need to put that idea right next to an idea they already know. So you're marketing your product. And positioning that product provides a sort of shorthand for the consumer. It gives them a, a point of reference, a way to remember your product, a way to talk about your product and consider that product when it comes time for them to eventually make their purchase. So in that episode, episode 60, I then shared examples to show how some of the biggest brands on the planet use positioning to make an impression on consumers. And we talked about how colleges and universities use it to, uh, to attract students. I used Corvette as an example, Coca-Cola, Corona, and more. It's about how you stand out in a noisy marketplace. And I made the point that positioning is the only way you stand a chance. Then, in episode number 61, just last week, we expanded upon the conversation. We talked about how extremes can be very helpful in grabbing attention in the eyes of the consumer. The most famous words that marketers use are first, last, best, most, only. It's about figuring out how you stand out, what you have that no one else has. There can be only one first place finisher. There can be only one last farewell concert. Uh, unless you're Billy Joel, I, I think he's gone on like four or five farewell tours, but beside the point. Only is another word that gives the brand ownership of something the only restaurant featuring the cuisine of Chef Nakazawa. Going to the edges can be one key way to carve out space in the market. And then, finally, 
On today's episode, we pulled it all together when we talked about building a grid, an X and Y axis, defining the parameters of how you wish to measure yourself against your competitors, finding the best way to make space. Remember, better is a trap. It is subjective and leaves you open to disagreement because of that. Better instead, you see what I did there? Better instead to get specific. Figure out how you differ from your competition. So you don't have a better wine list than that other place. You have a broader selection of labels with more variety when it comes to price points and regions. That's the kind of specificity you can sell. You don't have better wings than your competitor. You have more five-star reviews on Yelp or a bigger selection of sauces or a more convenient location. You're not better. You're different. Again, Acknowledge those differences, celebrate those differences, promote those differences. That's how you find people who want what you have, people who believe in what you're building and will come back time and time again for the experience you're providing. Episodes number 60, 61, and 62 are like this positioning trilogy. And so if you've inadvertently skipped those other episodes, I urge you to go back and give them a listen. I know this may seem like a a strange topic to be covering right now, but honestly, I think this is the perfect time to be thinking about this kind of stuff. If, If you could make a couple of key shifts to your business right now, you could come roaring back to life when this shutdown is over. I want you to start thinking of yourself as strategists. That's what we are. We strategize. That's what sets us apart from all the other restaurant owners out there. You know things now that you didn't know before. You know things that your competitors still don't know. The question is, what are you going to do with that knowledge? How are you going to put all of that into practice? How are you going to use these lessons to build a more profitable business for your staff, your patrons, yourself? Your exercise this week is to figure out where you're falling into the better trap and start finding ways to dig yourself out. It's just a little shift in how you look at things. So get specific and see what that does to your marketing efforts. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you like the show, please go ahead, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you're sharing these episodes with the people you work with. Changing the culture in your restaurant begins when you let people in, when you you start showing them the kinds of things you're thinking about. Again, I know these are crazy times, so please stay safe, stay sane, and stay creative. I appreciate all of you being here. I will see you next week.